Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. We're on. Okay, so welcome to this uh, 8 a.m. Sunday meeting here in Nashville of the SA Correctional Facilities Committee, otherwise known as the Meet and Greet. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, it is kind of a gut check meeting. You know, I know you guys from Nashville are usually used to going to early morning meetings. Uh, I'm not so much used to that. I'm going to turn this over to Elliot, who is our leader for the meeting. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Um, Okay, so let's get started. Um, Welcome to this session on uh, the Correctional Facilities Committee meet and greet. And uh, my name is Elliot, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. It's not fair. They ask the other person to say their sobriety date and not me. But from what I understand, meetings here in Nashville, you're supposed to say your sobriety date. So uh, I'm... By the grace of God, I've, and with the help of you guys, I've been sober since February 2nd, 2015. Um, a bunch of us introduced ourselves before, but if we want to just really quickly go around the room and so that anyone who's come in since gets the opportunity to introduce themselves. I'm Dennis H. I'm from Peoria, Illinois, and I'm on CFC committee. Hi, good morning. My name is Mitch C., and I'm not on the committee. <laughs> Don L., sexaholic, not on the committee. See a, a Carlton from uh, Darien, Illinois, and uh, I'm not on the committee. Uh, Bob, and uh, from Richmond, Virginia, and I'm not on the committee. Uh, Craig S. from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Simon, uh, North Carolina, lustaholic, and uh, I'm not on the committee. Simon. Simon. Welcome, Simon. Um, AJ, I'm a sexaholic from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm not yet on the committee. <laughs> Hi, AJ. Oh, well, I'm Pam. I'm not a member. I am the secretary for the committee, and I work at Central Office. Hi, Pam. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Neil, um, sexaholic from March, March 31, 2006. I'm from uh, Portland, Oregon, and I'm on the uh, Corrections Committee. Just use the microphone and introduce yourself and kind of pass it around in this. Josh from, I got a lot of voice. Josh from Detroit, Michigan. Um, I'm not on a committee. Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. I'm Ben. I'm a sexaholic. Been sober since June 17, 2015. And I'm a member of the um, CF committee in EMER, which is the European and Middle Eastern region. Hi. Hi Morning, Josh. everybody. Morning, group. I'm Angela. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, 8-14-17, uh, not on the committee yet. I'm Eric Griffel, recovering sexaholic, uh, known as the CFC chair, or the lazy boy, as I call myself. Uh, the, um, uh, we can see a lot of, a lot of you are not uh, designated as CFC point contacts or on local committees and are here just to check this out, try it on, see if it fits, which is great. Uh, we're here to learn from you what's going on in your local intergroups and hopefully impart some information to interest you in stepping over the threshold into service, into this kind of correctional work, give you an idea of the, the hows and the whats and the whys of correctional service. Thanks. All right. So <clears throat> continuing on with the format over here. Um would it be all right if I adjust the format a little bit? Um, th- yeah? Um, okay, because the format here is each of us will share our recovery on this topic, but it seems like a lot of people don't yet have experience with the topic. Um, we will take time to answer questions. Uh, so what I would like to do with you is just to give you 
I'll try and be brief, uh, give you a little bit of a background on how I got involved in CFC um, and some of my thoughts on uh, where the CFC is and where we would like to get to, and then we'll take some, some questions, uh, which I and Eric uh, will try to the best of our ability to answer. Um, so as I mentioned before, my name's Elliot. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I'm not going to go into so much how I got involved in SA. Um, I do, however, want to start with a couple gratitudes. Um, it's because of you guys. And this is something that I've forgotten of recent. Uh, this last year, I started a new job. And uh, I stopped going to as many meetings as I had been going to before. Um, before, before this past year, actually a year and a half ago probably, um, I'd been attending pretty much a meeting every day because, by the grace of God, my schedule allowed me to do that. Um, but things have changed a little bit over the last year and a half, uh, particularly over the last several months when I began this new job. And uh, actually, this past year, a couple mo- a month or so ago, was the first time that I, I had not been to a meeting in seven days. And um, as you may have heard before, uh, seven days without a meeting makes one week. Um, so, and, and the reason I think that, that, uh, my, my resolve to go to meetings, uh, became weak is because I thought I could do this on my own. Um, I'm the kind of person, I'm, I'm an intellectual. And, uh, so, you know, I read the books, right? I, I do the work. Um, and hey, I would, I can't do this on my own. I mean, I know I need my higher power, right? But I don't need you guys, do I? Right. That's what I started thinking. Um, and it wasn't until I came here to, you know, to the conference, which incidentally, I originally had not been planning on being here. And it was kind of last minute that I ended up coming. And with the thanks of the LA intergroup who, who sponsored half my ticket. Um, so I started thinking I can do this on my own. And, uh, here I am at the conference. And with your help, I have realized that n- not only can I, not do this on my own. And when I say on my own, I mean with the help of my higher power. Um, but you guys have given me so many amazing gifts. Um, I spent about 45 minutes this morning in prayer and meditation, something that I'm not very good at. Um, and I had a joyous experience. Um, now, as you probably can see, I'm, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I've been praying and meditating since, you know, age whatever. And uh, I used to get really into my prayers, except it was this whole emotional high and low. I'd be crying, I'd be, you know, all emotionally busy and, and whatever. And of course, with the emotional highs come the emotional lows, and I would crash. And of course, you know, a lot of that was involved with acting out. Um, this morning, I was able to have a quiet, joyous experience. You'll forgive my quote, but the still silent voice. Um, And that's because of you guys, because you guys have taught me how to relate more appropriately with my higher power. So I want to kind of start off with that, with that gratitude. So I came, I came into SA um, in February of of 2015. Uh, The first meeting that I was at uh, there was a gentleman seated across the table from me. Uh, his name was Roger. Um, and he had been arrested. Um, he was awaiting sentencing. Sentencing. Um, he was 11 months sober. And for a newcomer to SA, that was insane. 11 months? That's, that's not possible. Um, incidentally, are there any newcomers here? Well, welcome. So, um, I hope you get everything that you need here. Um, so that was, that was pretty insane. Uh, he had a ankle monitor on, he was on house arrest. Pretty much all he was allowed to do was drive to the meeting and drive home. And he came to every single meeting that he was allowed to come to. Um, and that was really, really inspiring. Um, I later was there at his sentencing. Uh, I don't remember the amount of time. Um, it, the sentencing was actually a lot, 
if I remember correctly, a lot lighter than he had expected. Um, then several months after that, uh, in the middle of the summer, when he was, uh, the evening before he was supposed to turn himself into the sheriffs, um, to go to prison, he had a massive heart attack and he died. Um, and I got a call from my sponsor who was also his sponsor. Um, and it was, it was, it was tough. It was tough to hear. Um, but that kind of, to a certain degree, was my, my initial contact with CFC. Um, the other initial contact that I had with CFC is there's a meeting in L.A., where I'm from, uh, on Saturday nights that does prisoner correspondence. And that is that there are some people at that meeting who have sponsees who are in prison. Um, and with the permission of their sponsees, the sponsee will write a letter to the meeting, and we as a meeting respond. Um, it's obviously it's not one letter from the you know the entire meeting. Each of us responds on our own. But as a meeting, we respond to this person's letter. Which, incidentally, <clears throat> I can tell you from the contact that I've had with these prisoners who who are involved with this, it helps them so much um, because, as you're probably already aware, in prison they have a lot a lot of time, a lot of downtime, and they have no meetings. Because even if they have 12-step meetings, um, being a sexaholic in prison is not the healthiest of uh, things to announce to others. Uh, so they don't have those meetings, and they can't make phone calls either, uh, typically. And so what those letters allow them to do is to have a meeting with them. It takes about two weeks for the letter to get in and about two weeks for the reply letter to get out. So about a month total. And that means over the course of that month, that prisoner has, you know, 15 or so letters that he can read and, and he can fall back on. Um, and they've told me that this is what they do. You know, it stands in place of meetings and it stands in place of phone calls. So I attended that meeting um, shortly after <clears throat> joining program. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it was the first meeting in the U.S. to start doing that. I think it was, but I'm not sure. Um, since then, I'm, I, from what I understand, there are other meetings that are doing similar things. And so that was kind of my second introduction to, to CFC um, because I was there in the meeting. They were doing prisoner correspondence, and so I was, I was doing it together with everybody else. Um, shortly after, my sponsor said that I was, I was able to sponsor others, um, the person at that meeting who was very involved with CFC said, hey, you know, the CFC is really looking for people to sponsor people. Um, do you want to take on one of these one of these sponsees? And so I said yes. Um, and so I started being a sponsor by mail. Um, a lot of fear. A lot, a lot of fear in the beginning. Um but not nowhere near as much fear as I found out my sponsee had uh, in replying to me. Um, so I started writing back and forth with my sponsee, and uh, a couple months later, I don't remember the exact timeline. It was thank I remember that it was Thanksgiving Day. Um, my sponsee is in a place called Corcoran in California. It's uh, I think it took me about two and a half hours to drive there from L.A. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I went to go visit my sponsee. Um, he was working his fourth step at the time, and I figured it would be nice if he got the opportunity to at least do some of the fifth step in person. Um, and so I went to go visit him. And again, a lot, a lot of fear. Um, I had to submit my information to the correctional department so that they could vet me. Um, and, um, I was not very comfortable walking in there with this. Um, I, there was a lot, a lot of fear, a lot of fear. Um, and so I went to visit my sponsee and I, I really wasn't sure what I was going to see and what I was going to find. Um, but I found a person who literally was just like me. I mean, he was, he was a soft, well-mannered, you know, well, you know, uh, just regular guy. All right. He wasn't, you know, Sitting in the, in the, in the yard, you know, pumping iron. Uh, that, that's not what, that's not who he was. That's not who he was. And, and this is a maximum security facility. So, you know, again, you know, all of those expectations shattered. 
um, in a good way, in a good way. Um, and since then, the demand for prisoners by for sponsors by mail has risen tremendously, um, and so I've taken on a couple more uh, sponsees. I'm very imperfect at replying to those letters. Um, I know it takes a long time for the letters to go back and forth, and so it makes me feel doubly worse, you know, that they're waiting. Um, but I am a human being, and not only am I a human being, I'm a sexaholic, and that means it takes me an awful long time to get anything done. Um, so that's kind of uh, that's a little bit of, of my background, my story, my involvement with uh, with the Correctional Facilities Committee. Um, I'm not sure if Eric has anything that he wants to add. Oh, sorry. One other point. My apologies, Eric. Um, so then I became the CFC uh, chair for the LA Intergroup. Um, I keep on forgetting this. <laughs> um, I think there's a part of my mind that doesn't want it to be real. Um, I became the chair of the CFC Intergroup, and uh, so I started attending uh, the CFC meetings uh, online that happened quarterly. Um, and this I have not told anybody in the group yet, including Eric. Um, we were at one of those meetings online, and uh, it was raised that the CFC is looking for a vice chair. And I innocently asked, so what exactly is involved? <laughs> Yes, foolishly asked, what exactly? And uh, I was voluntold into the position. Um, and by the way, because um, I, I think this is important, um, a lot of fear. I still don't think I can do it. Um, but what I've found out over the last 72 hours or so is this is what my higher power wants me to do. And if this is what my higher power wants me to do, then it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter whether I think I can or I can't. Um, I can't stop masturbating. I can't be sober, right? But somehow, here I am close to five years later. And so, uh, again, you guys have taught me that uh, my the way I see myself is not the way that my higher power sees me. And uh, if I can listen, and mostly I hear it through you guys. I, I do prayer, I do meditation. I don't really hear God talking to me through prayer and meditation. I do hear God talking to me through you guys. Um, and through you guys, I've heard, listen, Elliot, it's going to be okay. You're going to be able to do this. If that's what he says, then that's what he says. And uh, so... Aside from being honored and grateful for you know your vote of confidence, um, I'm I'm glad to be to be given this opportunity to be of service. Thank you, Elliot. This is uh, <clears throat> you know here we are here we all are. You know if you had told me that when I came into the fellowship or when I came to this convention, uh, my first convention that I would be running, helping to uh, facilitate or run or run from a CFC meeting, <laughs> run from a CFC meeting, we run, go, <laughs> and uh, because I didn't want to be told what to do, and I wasn't really ready for this kind of service. But uh, the truth is you're never ready. You're never really ready. Uh, there are many things that, that Elliot touched on that, uh, where you go through this process of becoming readied through working the steps yourself and then being able to carry the message to others. And it doesn't mean that you have to jump into sponsorship immediately. You could pray for someone. We can all do that, right? Yeah. Uh, you could uh, organize or learn or read the service structure. We have a service manual, right? You can do that. We can do that. We have done that. You have done this. I mean, the fact that we have a fellowship here, you've done this. You're part of this, right? And so when we carry the message to those who are at such distance from us, who are so far beyond the doors of our meeting that we don't see them, something happens. 
we begin to really enjoy our own recovery. We begin to savor it, I guess is the word, or just find joy, right? Um, joy is the one thing I've heard this said that my addict cannot give me. It can give me a sense of power. can give me a sense of uh, thrill. can give me a sense of my own self-importance. can give me a sense of... Uh, you know, uh, and we touched on fear and resentment, all that stuff, all the negative stuff. Cannot give me joy, though. The one thing that does give me joy is the ability to get out of myself and to carry that message to others. You know, and as my higher power says, all right, can we just get out of yourself today just for five, 15 minutes? Yeah, I can do that. We can do that. Um so it's a process of learning, and nobody does this perfectly. No one's supposed to do it perfectly, and no one's supposed to do it alone. Uh, we all, when, as, you, as you begin to learn about CFC work, you realize that this is a we program, that we rely on other people in our local groups, in our local inner groups, right? You're all from different areas of the country. You all, you all have a sort you know about service structure here at the convention. So, um, you know, we can go around and talk about some of this, uh, however you want to, you know, uh, organize the meeting. Um, we are going to be taking names. Uh, our lovely Pam is here with a, with a sheet. So to help to foster and organ, you know, uh, organize in the most disorganized sense, uh, our, our CFC efforts on the local level. Uh, the purpose of the CFC, as you, as you probably heard me say, is to allow 12-step work to happen in prison for those in, going in, and coming out of prison. And um, you know, I'm sure we have more to say about this kind of stuff. Uh, as Elliot referred to the, the workshops, we are doing online workshops. Uh, we allow, This way we share best practices. And we also do a roundtable during our bi-monthly business meeting. Our next business meeting, it happens to be next Sunday. After we get the minutes, we'll be able to... Yeah, I know, I know. Okay. After we get our minutes, uh, we'll be... And this woman has been so busy with so much stuff. It's just amazing that she gets everything done. Uh, she is really, as I mentioned, the glue that holds everything together from central office. So... Um, this next Sunday at, at 11 o'clock Pacific time. So if you want to partake in, in the process of learning and being part of, this is your invitation. Thanks. If you want to attend, just contact me at the central office. I can give you the, the codes and stuff. It's a Zoom meeting, so you have to have an access code to get in. Right. Pam is mentioning the Zoom meetings. The meetings are held uh, as a video conference on a video conference platform known as Zoom. Uh, you can also attend it in a, in a teleconference mode if you don't want the video conference. Uh, and we have members from our international uh, area. In fact, I'm going to ask one of them to do a little sharing since he likes to share as much as I do. So Ben, would you like to Ben from the Netherlands? Would you like to share a little bit about yourself and what brings you to correctional work? Thank you. Well, good morning again, Ben, sexaholic. I'm from the Netherlands. Uh, there's one more fellow from the Netherlands in the room. There he is, and I I can't call your name because you, you you haven't introduced yourself yet, so I won't call your name. Um, so. Um, Sober since uh, June 17, 2015. Um, what maybe is is important in this room? I, I'm also looking at Don. You, you opened yourself up as a newcomer, so um, uh, I'm not going to tell all my story, but just related to CFC, uh, I guess. But part of my story is important here because I could have been in jail easily, which which I heard whenever I say that to to. Um, to somebody I meet in these rooms, then a lot of people can say that. Uh, 
because uh, only the fact that I um, acted out driving a car could easily got me in prison. Uh, but I have also issues by looking at illegal pornography, and I have had contacts with kids. Um, uh, so that means I could have easily been behind bars. And when I met, when I joined, so I'm from the Netherlands in in Europe, uh, capital Amsterdam. Um, if people don't necessarily immediately know where Netherlands is, then if you say Amsterdam, the most of them start nodding, and I see a lot of nodding heads in the room. Um, so, um, and uh, <clears throat> uh, and I'm the IGR. I'm the intergroup representative. We have one intergroup in Holland. It's a small country. It's the size of one of your states, and smaller than many of your states, much smaller than many of your states, just to give an idea. Um, <clears throat> and um, we we join EMER, which is the European and Middle Eastern region. Uh, Israel used to be part of that, but started an intergroup of their own, if you heard the beautiful share of, of our fellow, whose name eludes me at the moment. Um, so what um, what I do is to learn what CFC is, I'm still learning a lot what CFC is, but this is the reason why I joined um, CF, and I'm very happy that a dear friend in the Belgian intergroup, who is the chair of who who is the chair of the of the regional committee, <clears throat> I have close close contact with him, and uh, and that works. So he's he's a mate, and I can easily uh, talk to him. And uh, now Eric has become a mate because I have joined these wonderful workshops and, and hell, you know, there's no, there's no day going by. He's, he calls himself the lazy boy, but there's no day going by or I have in my email, email account, email inbox, I have a, a message from CFC. There is a, <clears throat> there's a Google group. There is a WhatsApp group. There is these Zoom uh, teleconference meetings where we actually read out Pam is in those meetings and she presents us with a letter from a prisoner and we read it out and Eric asks the question, so what can you from your experience share with this guy? Um, so I've been in those Zoom meetings and it's, it's, it's good. It's very, it's like you sit at the table with Eric and Pam and work. It's very, it's not like, Voices from from outer space. It's very feels very close, like this, really. So so don't be afraid. Uh, and thanks, Elliot, for sharing that. Because obviously, this is, this, I feel fear just sharing now. This this slight uh, I I know about fear or 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 joining Emer, going to the region, uh, joining a committee. But yeah, I have to believe this is this is higher power work. We need to do. I need to do this. And my sponsor obviously uh, agreed. I I talked to my sponsor before I I came up with the idea, and then checked it with my sponsor, and says, "Yeah, you do that. You you go to the uh, CF committee." Uh, what we have done in Holland so far, and that's why I pointed out uh, our other fellow from the Netherlands, um, uh, as a member of the um, of the board of the intergroup in the Netherlands is um, I, I restarted the PI committee before I um, before I joined the, the CF service and I've asked those guys, three of us in the whole country, there's a small committee, the PI committee, I asked them could we sort of adopt, could we host CF service in the PI committee and they said yeah let's do that so, so, <laughs> you work. Sorry? Pub public information? Yeah. Uh, the question, if you could just yeah. Oh, repeat the, the question is what is a PI committee? PI stands for public information. And it's actually carrying, according to the fifth tradition, it's carrying the message. Uh, thanks, Rich. Um, so, uh, so that's what we do. And, um, how far have we come so far? So with the Belgians, we, uh, so I said I'd be interested in anything you do because it's, you know, it's two hours drive from, from where I am or two and a half hours, depending on where you are in Belgium. Belgium is even smaller than the Netherlands. 
You cannot imagine that, you know. Um, <clears throat> so you drive to, to Belgium, and I, I joined a um, a um, uh, I was going to say a breakout, but a um, an event in a uh, Belgium prison, Belgian prison. Uh, where we sat, uh, this guy apparently 39 years of sobriety in AA has done 39 of years of, of this service and we are still in contact with him. And he has this group of prisoners. We sat there, we told our stories and it was just a good experience. So I have that experience. I'm very grateful for that experience to, to have being part of that. Um, and, um, second time around, unfortunately, I couldn't make it to, to, to do that, and with with the fellows who are here in the room, we went to a, a big, to a huge um, uh, correctional facility in the north of our country. Um, <clears throat> if I had the contact that this other fellow had, um, just met this woman who, uh, who 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 shared with him that she's the reverend in. In a, in, a, in one of the major prisons in the north of our country, uh, so uh, we had a chance to to, to go to the uh, to the complex, to that place, and um, and enter it. And you know the whole Elliot was sharing about this. So the whole thing of going going through that and and sitting with these guys and sharing the story and and just hearing the silence. Uh, it was very, imp- I was very impressed by the fact that these guys were listening very closely to what we were saying. And there was, there was huge disbelief. Uh, well, how, how can you not masturbate? How is that possible? So they came up with, with, you know, with very honest and open questions about this. How do you do this, guys? So they were interested. I was, I was moved by it, that they were so open, uh, in their disbelief. You know, and, and it was only five guys. Uh, you know, we were more of us, so to speak, than than of them. Uh, but it felt as one, and it was a it was a great occasion. Uh, unfortunately, and this was happens as well. The 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 other side of the story is that you often this is what I hear when in the in the CF meetings, is that people are trying in other European countries that is, are trying to uh, to keep. You know, to keep into to enter to get entrance to uh, to a prison into the prison system seems to be very hard because of different reasons that we may get into or may not get into. I'll, I won't do it now. And uh, the the lady reverend, um, after many attempts last week, I actually picked up the phone and called her. Before that, I I would sort of you know give her a break because she said don't expect she literally said don't expect me to come back to you within two weeks because I have to talk to people and but now it is three months more than three months September October October November December four months now that we have actually um, visited the prison this is how it can can go but you know I I I'm not discouraged because I have the experience. That it can be done. That you can you go into the prison, and we have the and just uh, I have, I'm in touch with AA. Apparently, they have more um, experience in the service, um, and I, I I do have to go to their central office really to to talk. It doesn't really work, but I get I got response. But um, I needed to go up and see somebody who has done the service and talk to to him, or we go up there. So, uh, um, and I think the last thing I, I um, want to share just comes to mind is that we are translating, obviously, the uh, the booklets. So you're leaving. So you're going to prison. So you are leaving prison, and then there is an inside. Uh, so for the fellowship. The, uh, about the SA correctional facility, we we obviously we need to translate that to to, to have access to more. There there are parts of Holland where people are less familiar with the English language, so uh, they need to have access to this line of service as well. I think that's that's it for now. I don't don't know if you want to add something right now. I'm looking at my Dutch fellow.
Okay, thank you. So that's it for now. And yeah, I'm, just, I'm grateful to do, to do the service. I'm grateful for you. And may I identify you by name? Is that okay if I... Pharaoh, okay. And the guys from Amsterdam and from, from Holland, from Belgium, who are uh, doing this without proof. Their only proof is their own recovery. And so when you're sharing with a prison with someone from the prison sphere, well, they're going to be responsive to what you, what comes from your heart, what comes from your, your, your soul, right? And sometimes they are responsive and sometimes they're not. Um, but often they are. Now, uh, Ben was talking about the struggle. I'm just going to, if it's okay with you, Elliot, I'm just going to quickly go over what's happening at Tiger River, which is in Ennery, South Carolina. Uh, Tiger River is one of these places which is, uh, you would call it a level two, level three facility. Level one is minimum security, level four is maximum, right? So. And we were contacted by uh, Chaplain Carolyn Bennett. And uh, this is a name you might want to remember because she recognizes the fact, having been a uh, clergy leader on the outside of prison and in the inside of prison, she has a calling for correctional work. She's a chaplain at Tiger River, which is with a Y, Tiger with a Y. And we know that there are men on the inside of that prison who have requested help from SA. They've asked us to help spon find sponsors for them because they are incarcerated for sexual crimes. Some of them have been made public uh, because, you know, what happens is when you get arrested for this kind of stuff, it hits the headlines and then becomes viral and all. Okay. So uh, Carolyn Bennett took it upon herself to contact the CFC. We've had a few very, very good conversations. And she convinced the warden to greenlight a meeting at Tiger River, an essay meeting. Now, I know some of the guys in that meeting because I'm sponsoring by mail some of the guys in that meeting, so that's how that works. Uh, and we are also in contact with with the uh, CICERA CFC, which, of course, stands for your southeast region through Atlanta and through uh, North Carolina, because it's really in that area where you can drive from, from like three states. So perhaps to develop some visitation to, into Tiger River, uh, which is a, it's a, it's a, it's a haul from Atlanta or those places, but it's not so bad. Anyway, uh, one of the guys has a, has a brother who's also in the fellowship and his brother lives outside and, and his brother lives inside. And so we've been developing this rapport, this back and forth through writing. Okay, so why I mentioned Carolyn Bennett is important because we need to find an advocate on the inside. Uh, ben mentions the, the, the clerical contact in, in, in Holland, and it goes as far as it goes. So we follow up on leads, and this is what our committee does. So Carolyn Bennett started the meeting, and the guys decided that they would become uh, self-sustaining. So they sent $25 of their own money. This is prisoners, okay? Many times they don't have money for stamps. They sent $25 to central office. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Pam corrects me. It was $75. Thank you. Uh, $75 for books. And for, you know, just because it's part of the tradition to do that. That's the very first time that a prison meeting has decided to become financially self-sustaining, right? Not relying on the intergroup or you or me. That's pretty astounding. So we understand it. And this, at this facility, they wouldn't be doing this unless there was joy in the air, unless these people were getting recovery, right? So um, Ms. Bennett or Chaplain Bennett has now decided to start a second meeting there. So this is where we come into the picture as sponsors, as being part of this of this uh, greater penal tribe that goes from prison into out you know between outside meeting into into prison, and uh, we talk about we are we become the beneficiaries of other people's recovery. They are the beneficiaries of our recovery of your recovery. And along the lines, uh, the region begins to develop 
a tangible way of allowing guys like you to serve. We talk about service, right? I mean, it's it's written in a big book. You got to carry a message. You got to give it to others. Okay. Well, how do you do that? Well, this is a way of doing that, right? This is a way of doing that, and it takes about fifteen minutes to write a letter. So, okay. So enough about the spiel about sponsoring my mail. You're going to hear it a lot. You know it. You love it. Um, stepping over the threshold into service is between you and your higher power and your sponsor. I say talk to your sponsor about it. He'll probably tell you go ahead. But, uh, you know, if he's like my sponsor. So the little bit of time that I'm investing in putting the letter in the mail, putting it in the, into the mailbox or the post office, it's a really big deal when a prisoner receives that letter when it is received. And we now have international sponsors, sponsors in Colombia and in Israel who are sponsoring guys in the U.S. We act as the intermediaries. They send us the email. We print it out. We mail it out to the prisoner. Prisoner sends it back to our local PO. We take it. We, we scan it. We send it back to the, the person in Israel or, or Colombia, uh, Mexico. Uh, so, there's a great need. Lust is a vast, vast problem in prisons. The picture of the person on the inside, he may look different than you. He may speak differently than you. His educational level or her educational level might be different. But they, but they have, uh, as, as, as Ellie said, you know, uh, you know, you said just regular guy or a regular woman, you know. They, the path to recovery might be different, right? The reasons why they're in prison, well, I could have been there. I know I could have been there. You know, if I had manifested some of my f- darker fantasies, I would be there for sure. And I would have lasted 10 minutes in a prison, right? I mean, who are we kidding? So understanding that the person in the prison has an equity, uh, a spiritual equity just like mine. No different. No better or worse. Thanks. Thank you, Eric. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I do want to get to the questions, but there are two things that came to mind. Um, one is uh, someone who hasn't yet been mentioned, and that is Mance. Uh, Mance is the sponsor by mail coordinator, uh, for, uh, for the U S. Um, and aside from all of the credit that he deserves, he's the person to get in touch with or who you will be put in touch with should you volunteer, uh, to do so. That was one thing. The second thing is if I can just see a quick raise of hands before coming to this convention, who here had not heard of the CFC? Okay. Um, I think the greatest service that anybody in this room can do for the CFC is to spread the word. Because I know from the meetings that I've been to, a lot of people aren't familiar at all with the CFC. Um, and we have a massive body of recovering sexaholics that we can tap into if they only knew. Um, so I think the greatest service that any of us can do for the CFC, aside from sponsoring and all of that, is simply when you go back home, go to your inner group, tell them about the CFC. And you might have to do it more than once. Um, and just spread the word because that will open up the amazing power of the group conscience of SA as a whole uh, to be able to do a lot of this work. All right, so let me see if I can get to some of these questions. Uh, the first thing that was written here is, uh, I started shortly before a prisoner was released. I'm not sure if the next part is a continuation of that question. Um, I lost touch with, uh, with him as he was being released. Uh, what support is available for prisoners so, uh, as they're leaving? And what can I do as a sponsor um, for a newcomer who is about to leave? Um, both uh, excellent questions. Um, I'll try to answer them as best I can. Um, regarding the first question, uh, someone who's about to leave, um, do we have any support available? 
from what I understand, and this I only know anecdotally from another member who is involved with the CFC, for a prisoner to make a meeting in the first 24 hours after leaving is critical. Um, and so if we can somehow, whether in person ourselves or through the local intergroup, wherever the, the prison may be, get someone to bring that person to a meeting within that first 24 hours, I think that that's, that's critical. Um, and that's, that's something that's, that is the greatest support that we can give them. Um, uh, we do have, as was mentioned earlier, we do have a couple different pamphlets. So you're going into prison or so you're leaving prison. Um, I'm not sure at the moment whether we can send those to people. We can. Okay, so we can send those to people who are inside. And so that would be another thing that we can do. Um, we can, you know, tell them that they need to, that they can order from Seiko those pamphlets um, and get a little bit of guidance. You'll forgive me. I'm a little bit of a literature nerd. So, uh, you know, I like, I like talking about the literature, but that's something that's available. Um, and then, you know, just as is true for any other sponsee, what would you do for another sponsee to help in their recovery? You do the same thing, you know, same thing for someone who's coming out. Like I said, they're just another person, you know, they're just another human being just like you and I. And, you know, so what would you do for, for another sponsee? I'm not sure if Eric has. Mm -hmm. The question was partially because my question, the, 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 I'm wondering if there are. I'm just sorry, I'm Mitch Sexolic. Um, in this particular instance, first of all, I was a perfectly imperfect sponsor by mail, um, and so some of this leans on me. But I'm wondering, the are there th uh, things administratively that we that we that CFC does? Uh, because if he didn't know where he was going to be after, he didn't even know, I think, what city he was going to be and where he certainly didn't know where he was going to live. So me being in New York and him being, I don't know where, I mean, sure, I can try to do what I would do for any other sponsee face to face and I can do it better because now I can do it by phone. But what resources do we as CFC have to sort of keep in touch, give him some guidance? I mean, if he started writing at that point, to Seiko for literature. At that point, I don't think it would have reached him before he left. So just curious what, what we can do. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I don't know necessarily that I have uh, much to add to that, um, to what I said before, other than, um, and this is something for me as a sponsor to always re remember, you can't make them sober, you can't get them drunk. Yes. Hold on a second, Bob. We're gonna yeah. uh, gonna pass the mic to you. Hold on. I'm Bob, and uh, I'm from uh, Pittsburgh originally. I live in Richmond now. Um, and for uh, for six years, I um, I started. I didn't start. I was part of a team that started uh, going into the Fayette County Prison and holding an SA meeting uh, once a week. And um, our entry happened through a counselor, a female counselor. Um, she was not a sexaholic, um, but she saw the need because in the Pennsylvania system, the counselors are manda are um, have to have a program for sex offenders, and they have to attend and they have to graduate. And she was seeing a lot of problems with these guys and staying sober. And, um, and she became aware of SA. Um, she came to an open meeting, um, in Pittsburgh just to see how a meeting took place. And then from that point forward for about a year, she held the meeting herself, um, in the prison. And, um, and then eventually she got us into the prison. Um, and we were able to go um, Thursday nights. And um, it's the problem with, and this is a maximum security prison as well. Um, so these guys literally are putting their lives on the line if it gets out why they're there. Um, 
because most of these guys are in there because of um, sexual uh, things against children. And that gets to inmates because they have children on the outside. Um, and um, so, um, but it makes it very difficult for them to talk to one another because they have to literally look around to make sure no one is listening. Um, and so the SA meeting was their only opportunity to really talk about their addiction and what they were going through. Um, so that's how we did it in, in Pittsburgh. Now in Philadelphia, they tried to get into the prisons there and they went to the Department of Corrections and it basically blew up. Um, because, you know, that's, you're trying to do it for a system that has, you know, 37 prisons, um, and they're not going to take that risk, um, because it gets political. Um, so I think the way to get into a prison, if you have a, a, a wish to do that, is to do it through an individual facility and a counselor is one way. Another way is through the chaplain, which has already been mentioned. And um, another way is to um, talk to an AA uh, who is going into um, the prison um, and try to find out how they did it and um, and get some knowledge from them. So, um, but anyway, thanks. Thank you, Bob. It's worth mentioning that the CFC has a a, a, a working uh, service manual just for corrections. It's in uh, it's in various forms. We could use fresh eyes and uh, to help uh, edit and read it and put it together. But it, it is a compendium of all this experience, strength, and hope of trusted servants. So. One of the pieces, you know, Bob references how to go into a, how to make that original introduction. Uh, Tucson Ray wrote a piece called uh, Prison Guide, and it's a template. It's a one-page template. It's a wonderful piece because I, I followed it. Uh, it's a script about how to go, how, who to call, and you speak to the person who is uh, responsible for authorizing, say, AA in that particular facility. Well, and then you introduce yourself as sexaholic. You're going to have to vet yourself first and last name. And it's a lot less painful than standing in line at the DMV, I can tell you. Uh, so the process, and as Ray so wisely said, very blessed memory, he said, wisely he said, you know, we just follow the leads. Um, speaking of Tucson Ray, the Board of Trustees at this convention have given approval to, for internal distribution for CFC, internally meaning our correctional work, to release the Tucson Ray audio project, which is two hours and 45 minutes of audio. It is a deep dive into correctional work from, from, the, from the man who started the CFC. Uh, Ray started this, this whole process because he had, without having any resources on except his relationship with God, uh, and he and he took the message into Arizona prisons. That's why he's called Tucson Ray. Right? Actually, Kay gave him that designation. Oh, you must be Tucson Ray, and so it stuck. Uh, Ray has authored a number of the uh, the pieces, including the step guide that we use to sponsor by mail. So he was very critical to and. Uh, we were able to record nine hours of his spoken testimony, and we edited it down to nearly three hours. And uh, in that process, Ray passed away the following month. So we were God-planted into that process. That's now available to you. That's available for you. That is his legacy, our legacy. And your legacy eventually will be available for someone else's. Uh, someone else. Hopefully you'll still be around. So the idea is that we're, we're part of this process. When sponsoring, sponsoring another in prison becomes as normal as sitting in this room, as normal as just sponsoring somebody on the outside. 
Now we're going to see this big, large uptick in sponsors. We have seen it, and Pam will tell you uh, how, how just how many people we are getting from prisons who have heard of SA, and because of some changes we've made administratively, the spigot is now wide open. And I don't know how long this is going to last, but we are getting lots of inquiries every single week. About what's the number? How many would you say? In the past 14 days, I have a stack of 45 or 50 letters. 45 or 50 letters. Okay. Now consider that in the course of a year, right, a few years ago, that's about what we would get a year. So now we're getting that on a weekly basis. Why is that happening? Why? Well, the higher power has designated, said, okay, guys, here we go. So now it's up to us to, de- to develop these tools and the means of doing this kind of outreach. So we have the tools. We have the means. We have the SA hardware store. It's all set up. We've got all that stuff. All you got to do is just know what to ask for. Thanks, Eric. Uh, I do want to get to this, this last question. I'll try and do it quickly. Um, the question, uh, two questions that were raised are, how do you start group sponsorship by mail in a group that's never done that before? Um, so uh, the best, best thing that I can think of is, uh, first of all, if there's someone in the group who is currently sponsoring a prisoner by mail, um, that person should ask the person whom he's sponsoring, would you be open to... First, me sharing, and second, you writing uh, to the group and raise it to the group at a business meeting or whatever the case may be and go from there. Um, There was uh, one thing that Eric and I had talked about of recent, and that is um, because of the great demand, uh, potentially just getting groups to sponsor uh, people who are looking for sponsors. it's in its formative stages, that idea, but that's also another thing that's kind of, that's been swimming around in the, in the ether, so to speak. Uh, the second part of the question is, I live near Leavenworth and Lansing prisons. Can that be of use to the CFC or is it all long distance? Um, and thank you for that question. Um, everything is of use to the CFC. Um, it's not all long distance, as, as you've been hearing uh, Eric share. We're trying to go into the actual prisons, not just sponsored by mail. Um, and uh, as this person mentions, um, I know the Catholic prison chaplain there. That's an amazing inn. That's an amazing inn. But I'll fall back on what I said right in the very beginning, and that is anything can be of use to the CFC. If you have information, if you have a, a connection, um, even if you just have a piece of information that you think is pretty irrelevant, share it, right? Uh, one of the great things that we've learned in the last couple of years of social media, it has its positives, is uh, crowdsourcing and the power that that has. So, you know, share, share the information and you never know. It might be of use. Uh, we, are, we are running short on time as we normally do at CHC because there's so much stuff. Uh, the, the question is, and we'll get you to the ne- your next session, uh, this question uh, comes from a member. Do you do all the sponsors have a PO box? How much does it cost? And is having an alternate mailing address a requirement? Uh, everything we do is suggestive only, but it is strongly suggested that you use a PO box and do not put your home address as the uh, as the direct conduit between you and the person in prison. Uh, your inner group has a PO box. Uh, we suggest you use that P.O. box and have somebody designated who is going to handle the jail mail and get the jail mail directly to you. So let's say you're in Chicago, right, and it comes to the Chicago P.O., uh, that person would then know to get that letter from that particular prisoner to you as the sponsor by mail. hope that answers that question. Uh, so it – Sorry? Oh, well, that's what we got to do. Uh, does it cost? Um, no, it shouldn't cost you anything. I mean, you're going to have to. Oh, the P.O. box? Well, that's between. That's between. $30. Yeah. 
That's between uh, yeah, you and your inner group. Your inner group should be able to 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 take care. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.